Tonight, we want to share with you a very special Bible teaching. And it continues what we talked about on Sunday, but goes a little further and does something a little different towards the end. The subject of the teaching tonight is the subject of what we preached on Sunday. And it was entitled, Embrace the Change. Embrace the Change. And before I read the text, I want to just share some introductory remarks. And then we'll share the text. We'll look at three key points from the text. And then we'll end by sharing seven powerful quotes as it relates to change. Change is a constant in life. In fact, the Greek philosopher said that it is the only constant in life. We want you to know no matter where you are, you will experience change. It is a part of life. It is something that we ought to embrace. But I want to say this, and I did not get a chance to say it on Sunday. Change for the sake of change is not good. Folks said that all changes are good, not necessarily. You've got to understand a godly type change, change that God is leading you to do. Some people, unfortunately, change for the worse. Some people used to be better, but now they find themselves acting worse than they've ever done before, thinking more negatively than they've ever done before. That is a change, but it is not a change for the good. When we speak of embracing the change, we are talking about embracing the God-designed change, the change uh, that's good, that comes from God, and even changes within our society that improves society, changes within your life that improves your life, your attitude when it changes for the better. That is the change that we talk about embracing. Now, the world is full of transitions. The world is full of changes. I shared with you an interesting quote on Sunday from the controversial uh, scientist of the 19th century by the name of Charles Darwin in his very controversial studies dealing with evolution. But if there's one thing he said that is true, that I agree with, and it is the species over the time, the strongest of species did not survive. It is not that one that is the strongest that survived, Darwin says, or the one that is the smartest or the most intelligent, but it is the one that can most adapt to change, a person that's adaptable to change because change happens and it will happen in all of our lives. And so if we can adapt to the change, particularly the changes that comes our way, we can make it. I gave you an, an illustration or an analogy or an example that Darwin uses of two species one that was ferocious and strong, one that 
terrorized the earth, the dinosaur. While the dinosaur lived, it was the king of the earth. It, it had no natural enemies, no natural predators. Amen. And then there was another one, the cockroach. Someone could say the water bug, the cockroach. They existed, according to Darwin's theory, around the same time. But the environment changed and the dinosaur could not adjust to the changing environment. And the dinosaur became extinct. The cockroach, some people may say unfortunately, (laughs) but the cockroach did. And even today, millions of years later, they are still here agonizing some people, making some skirmish when you see them in your life. What does that say? It says to the species that's adaptable, to the species that can adjust, that can embrace a change, that can deal with the change, you can survive. You can survive the downsettings, the uprisings. You can survive when things don't always go your way. I think God has a message in that for all of us. In this changing world that we are living in, we've got to understand something. Uh, that if we are obedient to God's will, if we, can, if we can trust in God and lean not to our own understanding, then we too will be able to survive. The scripture text that was used in Sunday's message is Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Two verses that's found in a very powerful chapter of the book of Isaiah. And I encourage you to read the entire chapter. I encourage you to read the chapter when God tells them that I know your name. God tells them that I'll be with you through the flood and through the storm and it will not destroy you. But in verses 18 and 19, he talks to the people of Judah. He talks uh, to those who were his chosen people. Remember, the unified nation of Israel had split. And there was the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah, all that once were together under David. Now only Judah exists. Israel had gone away into captivity never to return uh, in that sense. But yet the people of Judah were around, but they were about to experience something harsh. Their environment was about to change. No longer would they be able to enjoy the goodness and all the wonderful things that they had taken for granted. Now an enemy would come in and take them away in captivity. The Babylonians would come in. and They would find themselves, as Psalms 137 says, in a strange place, in a strange land. Many of them lost their praise. They hung their musical instruments up on the willow trees and refused to sing the songs of Zion. But God, through the prophet Isaiah, sends them 
this word. In other words, it may be harsh to you. It may be something that you're dealing with and, and it's a hard thing to deal with. But God had a plan. Listen to the words in verse 18 and 19. Isaiah, New King James Version, chapter 43, verse 18. He says, do not remember the former things, nor Consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. You shall not know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in a desert. Sometimes God takes us through something just to improve. Just before I came out of the office. One of my dear friends, minister, brother in the Lord, just texts me and says his job is just downsized and he's lost his job as of today. And so I thought about this text. I thought about what I could say to him when I call him tonight just to encourage him. And what God said is to say to him what you've said since Sunday. That God's doing something, even through what appears to be tragedy. Sometimes God has to move us off a comfort zone. I'll tell you this. My dad's testimony was this. Mac, you're familiar with it. Bill, you are familiar with it. Dad said that it was his job that let him go, that ushered him into full-time ministry. Uh, and he said he's not sure if he would have left that job at that time because he had five young kids to support. But the job said to him, we don't want you anymore. And God says, I have you in the place I want you to be in. And God took him to a place that he said, dad reminded me towards the end of his life. He says, son, I now have the testimony of David that I've been young and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed to beg bread. In other words, God did it. God took care of him. And I'll say to anyone whose environment has changed, trust God. Trust that God knows what he's doing. In this text, in this text that they give, there are three very short, brief takeaways that I want to share and then I want to share some wonderful, powerful quotes as it relates to change. In these two verses, the three key takeaways that they're talking about are these. Number one, the text says, stop obsessing and romanticizing over the past. Look at what it says. Stop obsessing and romanticizing over the past. Here's what the scripture says. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. The first takeaway that we all need to remember from this text, from these verses, is that we must stop obsessing. We must stop romanticizing over the past, particularly a past that God has taken you away from. I'm not talking about great memories, 
great fond memories because no one cherished history and the great memories of the past as much as I do. You hear me talk about it all the time. I reference my dad. I reference uh, my uncle. I reference all of those uh, who've paved the road for us to be where we are. I will never forget those iconic men and women who played such a monumental role in my life and in the life of this church. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking, what I think God is saying to the nation of Judah is that they were in a different place obsessing about what went wrong before, how they've been hurt, what the Babylonians had done to them, how uh, they wrecked their nation and demolished their temple and tore down their walls. And so what God said to them is that uh, stop obsessing about, in the, this word is mine, the tragedy of the past, the painfulness of your past. Stop doing that. And then the other part, romanticizing over how good things were. In other words, God wanted them to know things were never that good with you. <laughs> Uh, because you, you never lived up to your commitment to you, to me. You may think that things were great, but they never were that good. So point number one, stop obsessing and romanticizing over the past. That is for somebody here tonight. You need to apply that to your life. The second key takeaway in these two verses, verses 18 and 19 of Isaiah 43 simply says this, the Lord is going to do a new thing. <laughs> Why is it that he wants us to stop obsessing and romanticizing over the past? Because God is going to do a new thing. And it's hard to embrace a new thing when you're still stuck in an old thing. God says, I am going to do a new thing. But I need you to stop worrying about what has gone wrong in your past. We need to forget all the people who hurt us. We need to forget all the situations we went through that were painful. There are some people that are holding on right now to years of hurt and pain. Maybe some decades of just holding on to that. If you're going to, to welcome in or embrace the new thing that God is going to do, then we've got to forget about the past. Takeaway number two, the Lord is going to do a new thing. And then the third and the final takeaway from these two verses simply says this. It is actually in the form of a question. And it is a question in which God asked the people of Judah through the prophet Isaiah, when he does a new thing, will you recognize it and will you embrace it? Only you can answer that. Will you recognize God doing it? And if you can recognize it, will you embrace what God is doing? Two separate things. Recognizing it is one thing. Embracing it is another thing. 
Will you will you recognize a new thing if it's not listen to this at first a pleasant thing? Note nowhere in the text that God says I'm getting ready to do an enjoyable thing, a pleasant thing right now, because God's new thing may not always be pleasant. I'm convinced that Babylon was a part of God's new thing. It would end up all right, but God sometimes has to take us through some wilderness experiences in order for us to get to where God wants us to be. So the three things are these. Number one, stop obsessing, stop romanticizing over the past. Second, key takeaway, the Lord is going to do something new. God is going to do a new thing. One translation even says New Living Translation and it's already begun. God is doing a new thing. The third and the final takeaway in this is that will we recognize a new thing when it happens and will we embrace it when it occurs? I want you to take these three points tonight and you think about it. You apply it to your life. That's why we put it on the screen and we ask you to apply it to your life. And then you answer it the last one to God. Yes, Lord, I want to be in a position to recognize it. And then, yes, Lord, I want to embrace what you are doing. The other thing that I wanted to do tonight in this Bible teaching is somewhat different. Over the last several weeks, I've given you seven scriptures dealing uh, with the promises of God. And I've used the number seven to give you the scripture reference. Tonight, God says do something a little different. And I hope those of you that are so deep, you won't get offended by this. Because these are actually secular quotes. <laughs> when I say secular, I don't mean evil. I just mean they are non-religious type of quotes. They are not scriptures. But these seven powerful quotes, I think, will help you as you embrace change and a new thing. And perhaps it will challenge you. And in the midst of what we are now going through with the wonderful, peaceful protests and with the not so wonderful, violent actions of some, perhaps we all need to pause for a moment and think about these as it relates to change. Seven quotes. The first one is one from Mahatma Gandhi, uh, one of my favorite uh, figures. I, 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 although we did not necessarily share same faith, but so many wonderful quotes. And I, I would urge all of you sometimes, it's all right. You, you don't always have to read the Bible only. Now, let me say that correctly. You should always read the Bible, but you don't have to read the Bible only. We need to broaden our horizon. Some of us are kind of stuck in a certain mindset. And to those of you who don't read other things and other authors and even people, you heard me earlier quote Charles Darwin. I could not disagree with his theory of evolution more. 
but I appreciate the intellectual uh, uh, stimulus challenge that he offers in putting it forward. And so here are seven wonderful quotes. Take a picture of them. And here's what Mahatma Gandhi says. And this is so true to all of my brothers and sisters that are marching in the streets. And and we are so proud of you standing up for social justice and you want change. Here's what Gandhi says. Be the change you wish to see in the world. If you want law enforcement to stop acting violently, why are you? It doesn't make any sense. Okay, if, 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 if what you're marching for <laughs> is less violent from people in authority, why do you act violent? And I said to him, listen, what happened even recently in Atlanta, Georgia was horrific. And, and they should hold uh, those guys accountable for shooting anybody in the back. But help me understand what does it accomplish to burn down a Wendy's? <laughs> I mean, I, I, maybe I'm missing something. And they said, well, maybe I'm old school. Well, help, what's the new school thinking of burning down? And it's in Atlanta. It could be. I'm not sure about this, but it, it could be. There's so many African-American entrepreneurs in, in Atlanta. That witness could have been owned by an African-American that's just struggling to make it. So if you want change, be the change you wish to see in the world. Quote number one. Second quote that I want to share from you is someone by the name of Leo Tolstoy. And, he, and, and I appreciate, although I'm not as familiar with his work, I've uh, heard his name and read a couple of his quotes before, but this one stands out as relates to change. Everyone thinks of changing the world. Please look at this. Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. How can you change the world when you're not willing to change yourself? Be the change you want to be. If you want to change the world, it's a wonderful thing. We all should do that. It should start with you changing yourself. You ought to say, this is what I want to be. Look, we all have been through something. I, I, I would tell you this. As a college student at Benedict College, listen, I was pulled over with a friend of mine riding down Two Notch Road in this new convertible car that I had just brought with my own money. Doing nothing. Just pulled over. Snatched out of the car. Taken to jail. City of Columbia. My good friend... I.S. Levy Johnson, the attorney. My dad called I.S. Levy Johnson. He came. Uh, they dropped all of the charges. They found out there was nothing. Nothing they did. He said I was, I was driving weirdly. Probably was because I was so excited to be in the car that I was just brought. But here's what I decided to do. It. And I.S. talked to I.S. Levy Johnson talked to me. Having gotten me out of that jail, he looked at me and he says, now, 
do something about society. Do something about society. I didn't go burn down the building. I went back to college and I studied harder than I could ever study before. Went to law school, went to seminary. I studied and I said, I'm going to do something to help somebody. Went back, ran for student body president. Went back, ran for the school board on Richland County. Ran for the state senate. Because if I was going to make a difference in society, I had to use the positive energy to do something. And changing the mindset, not having a victim mindset, but having a mindset of I can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Quote number three. Albert Einstein says this. The world as we have created it. Please listen to this one carefully because I had to read this one over again. The world as we have created it is a process of our thinking. That means the world in our minds is a process of how we think. It cannot change without changing our thinking. If, if the world as we have created it, as we've envisioned it, is a process of our thinking, the only way it's going to change is that we have to change our thinking. If you think everybody is out to get you, the only way you can be delivered from that is that you've got to change your thinking and say, no, everyone's not out to get me. If you think like a victim, you will act like a victim. Albert Einstein says that if we want to change the world as we process it, we must change the way we think. What a powerful quote. The next one is this. This one is actually one of my favorite quotes, and it is, uh, by a book that you've heard me reference over and over again by Dr. William Bose. It is, it is the next change. The book is called Masters of Change. I purchased this book in 1997. I had just been installed in November to be the pastor of a church. And trust me, inside I was a nervous wreck. How am I going to handle this? Can I handle this? I have a young family, young career, trying to run a business, just got elected to the state house. And so I saw this book called The Masters of Change. And it blessed me so. Secular book. It blessed me so. But then I began to read, and I've read it cover to cover at least three times. Picked it up again just the other day. One of the best quotes in this book and I think there's a new rendition of the book that perhaps is out. It says this. Most people don't really want to know how to adapt to change. Listen to this. Most people really don't want to know how to adapt to change. They want to know how to make change adapt to them. And that's what the Lord said to me. 
He says, if you're going to be successful, if you're going to make a difference, you're going to have to adapt to the change. Amen. The change is not going to adapt to you. And it goes back to the first thing that we talked about. Are you going to be the dinosaur or are you going to be the cockroach? Are you going to adapt to the change that happens all around you and in your life? Here's the next quote. And this is my literal, one of my favorite people in the world. Pastor Jackson, you've got a whole lot of favorite people. But I will submit to you, you've heard me say this, those of you from Bible Way, there is no human being other than my daddy and other family members that I probably admire more than Nelson Mandela. I appreciate Dr. King, Dr. Benjamin Elijah Mays played a role in my life and others, but I've never met Nelson Mandela. And I would, and I said this from this pulpit one day, there's only one person in the whole world I ever desired to meet and didn't meet. I had, I've never had any desire to meet famous people or powerful politicians that never even fazed me. But Nelson Mandela was special. Because 27 years, Minister Cedric McFadden, he endured a prison cell for a justifiable cause. And what I admire so much is that after 27 years of being unjustifiably incarcerated, he got out and was not bitter. How can you not be bitter? Nelson Mandela, if anybody ought to hate white people, you ought to do it. But he did not. He was not bitter. He rose. Look, Look at God. If there's any biblical example of Joseph that walked the face of the earth, perhaps it was Nelson Mandela. 27 years in a dungeon, 27 years in prison, released and not been. First thing he did, he got out. He said, I forgive those who incarcerated me. He said, now let's work to make South Africa and the world a better place. And then this is one of my favorite quotes. They says, what is it that can change the world? And Nelson Mandela said these words, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. He says, if you want to change the prejudice of the minority population of South Africa who happen to be white, ruling over the majority population or who are people of color, he says, you can't do it by force. Education, you have to educate them. You have to educate people to see that the world is a lot bigger than just their limited paradigms. Education, the most powerful weapon which can be used to change the world. Thank you, Nelson Mandela. Thank you. The world owes you a big debt of gratitude. But you showed us how to be magnanimous. You showed us how to be oppressed and come out and not become bitter. He never burned down a building. He never torched a Wendy's. He never went into a store and stole a big screen TV and says, I'm doing this 
in the name of justice. He said, but justice is changing the hearts of people. Education, the most powerful weapon which can be used to change the world. Two more quick ones. C.S. Lewis, many of you have heard of him, noted author C.S. Lewis writes these words. He says, isn't it funny? And listen to this one very carefully. How day by day, nothing changes. Listen to this. But you look back, everything is different. Here's what C.S. Lewis meant. Change is a process. And it's an incremental, gradual process. The best transitions, I learned this in business. I learned this in politics. I learned this in ministry. The best transitions are seamless transitions. It's when you look back, you don't even recognize when the change happened. I've seen this ministry go through seamless transitions, go through changes of theology, changes of way of thinking. And nobody can identify the day or the time that it happened because those sometimes are the best. And here's what C.S. Lewis says, day by day, you may not recognize it. But when you look back, you'll say things are now different. Women now are preaching, okay, pastoring, doing wonderful things. One day, hopefully, will be the president of the United States of America. Amen. Things happen over a period of time. Nelson Mandela eventually became president of South Africa. When you look back in retrospect, you can see that a change has happened. That is why, my brothers and sisters, you have to be patient. That is why you have to take each day as it come and walk in the day. Pathway of the just is as a shining bright light that glows brighter and brighter until that perfect day, the scripture says. And here is the last one. Here is the last one as it relates to embrace. And it is probably poetic justice that the last quote has an unnamed author. Last quote has an unnamed author. In fact, my son DJ shared this with me just the other day. A powerful quote that deals with choice, chance, and change. Look at those three words in this one quote. Choice, chance, and change. Here's what the quote says. And this is one that's worth putting on your wall. You must make a choice to take a chance or your life will never change. You must make a choice. Nobody can make it for you. (laughs) No pastor or spiritual leader can, can do this for you. No loved one, parent, co-worker, spouse can do this for you. You must make a choice to take a chance or your life 
will never change. Listen, as we conclude this and prepare for this altar experience, God told me to teach this way tonight. Yes, embrace the change. Yes, talk about Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. But also share with you, my brothers and sisters, that I love you so much that you must make the choice. You must take the chance. If you're ever going to change, it's going to be your choice. You're going to have to take the chance. It's not always easy. And sometimes it's very uncomfortable. But you've got to understand that God is up to something. And God is doing something that only God can do. Wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing, join me. Join me in telling the Lord, I'm ready, Lord. I am ready to embrace this change in my life. I'm ready for something good to come out of what I'm going through. You can be the next Joseph who says in Genesis chapter 50, what you, my brothers, meant for evil, God intended it for my good. You can be the next Nelson Mandela that takes 27 years out of your life living in a dungeon and come out not bitter, but better. And you go from being a prisoner to now the president of the largest country on the continent of Africa. But God. And I don't know what your challenge is right now, but I do know this. God is challenging you to embrace the change. Pick up the phone, call 888-776-1238. We'll help you. We'll pray with you. We'll guide you. But ultimately, it's up to you. Do you want to be a better person? Do you want to be a better father, mother, sister, brother? Do you want to be a better human being? Do you want to be a better believer in your walk with the Lord? You have to embrace the change God has in your life. Come on, praise team. Man. Amen. Bless us. Listen.
right now. God says this in Isaiah 43 and 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Verse 19, behold, I will do a new thing. It is a new season in your life. God said it's a brand new day. Yesterday is over. Last season is over. Every season brings in a different environment. Summers are different than winters. Winters are different than spring. Amen. Fall is different than summer. Amen. God says I'm bringing in something new. A fresh anointing in your life. The question is this. Will you embrace it? Uh, Isaiah asked the question. He says, will you know it when it happens? And will you embrace it? Accept the challenge tonight. Accept the challenge tonight to say, Lord, I am prepared. I am ready for my new season. Come on, brothers. Tell them again before we pray. right now question is not will God do a new thing God has already declared I am doing a new thing question is will you know it when it happens will you embrace it when it occurs I don't know about you but my answer to those questions is yes Lord I want to know it and I want to embrace it I want to be the new person. I want to be the change that I desire. I want to see the change in me. And before I can change the world, change me, Lord. Change me from the inside out. Do something in my life that only God can do. Call this number right now, 888-776-1238. Some of you struggled too long in that old season. Some of you struggle too long in that old way of thinking, that old way of living. Let God do a new thing. Accept the new thing that God's doing in your life. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you this night. We thank you for this one-hour Bible teaching. We thank you for this service tonight. Thank you for the word that has gone forth. Thank you, Lord, for even the quotes from great men and women, Lord. Perhaps not religious leaders, but also they have a testimony. Help us to be able to embrace the change in our lives. Help us to see what Nelson Mandela saw, having left that jail and realized that what would change the world is not the largest army, the most powerful military but educating people 
about what is right and wrong, educating people about how we should love each other. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. I declare and decree that you are doing a new thing. I stretch forth my hand right now, Lord, to someone viewing this service in another state, in another country, saying that God is doing a new thing in your life right now. Get ready for fresh anointing. Get ready for the change. This is our prayer. In your son Jesus, the Christ's name, we pray and give thanks. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, stop and lift those hands and tell the Lord, Amen, Amen. Come on and worship Amen. for their continuous financial support to the ministry of Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. It's offering time, and here are the following ways that you can give. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account, or via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Our mission statement here at Bible Way Church of Atlas Road is to know God, to love, and to serve. We'd like to thank our internet audience for tuning in, especially our first-time viewers. If you haven't already, please be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to our live broadcast. If you desire prayer, please call one 776 1238 We'd like to gauge your thoughts on how you feel about returning to in-person worship. Go to our website if you haven't already and fill out the survey. That's bwcar.org. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account, 
or via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, please be sure to share with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org.